The Spin-Off Podcast Network. When the Facts Change is brought to you by the Spin-Off Podcast Network in partnership with Kiwi Bank. The bank for Kiwi looking to get ahead in business and in life. A bank that delivers expertise and banking know-how, smart advice for business owners wanting to invest, grow their business or diversify. A bank that adapts with technology through the lens of its people and customers. It is a bank with heart that is driven by its purpose. Kiwi making Kiwi better off. The one thing I love about economics is how often when you have a big shift in supply or demand, the price changes. And it does an amazing job often of clearing a backlog or shifting the price back down to some sort of equilibrium. You see the invisible hand of the market at work. Except for when there's a sticky market. When for some reason, it might be because of some regulation or some sort of cultural practice or just for some physical reason, the normal movements of people, of goods, are blocked in some way. And there's one particular sector in New Zealand that has a real problem. It's construction. We have very poor productivity in construction. And it's really important because it means that our houses are more expensive to build than they should be. It means that housing construction doesn't respond as quickly as it should do. And it's often because we have such a, to be frank, primitive building and construction sector. A lot of houses are still built by one and two man bands. Now, you may balk at me using the phrase one man band. It's not the sort of thing you should say in polite company. But actually, in New Zealand, often they are one man bands. Men. We have a male-dominated construction sector. And for a long time, it's been one of the reasons, people think, that we haven't seen a real improvement in productivity. Why? Because a lot of the jobs that might bring women into a sector often need to be more flexible. They need to have better opportunities for people to do childcare and do other things as well, to be able to flip in and out, to be able to use different types of skills. And the assumption for a long time is that only men could do construction work. They're the only ones who can get there at six in the morning and stay until four at night and do whatever else it is. And it's a real problem in our economy. It's the most male-dominated large sector in our economy. And for decades, we've dragged on with this inefficiently structured, poorly managed often, poorly trained, and often quite unstable sector, where whenever we see a surge in demand, we can't seem to build houses fast enough. It's one of the reasons why our housing is so expensive. But there's hope, and there's good news. On this week's Win the Facts Change, I look at a really interesting change that's happening in the construction sector workforce. And it's partly because of COVID. You might recall all those years ago, at the beginning of COVID, when we all went into lockdown, one particular group of workers were the worst affected, women. Because a lot of the jobs that went in a hurry were in services, hospitality, the sorts of jobs where there is a high proportion of women. So in the first six months or so of COVID, women were the main losers in the workforce from the COVID lockdowns. 
And then at the same time, the government responded to the shock of COVID by pulling on the construction lever. Both governments do this. Their idea of a good way to restart the economy is to pour some concrete. That means deciding to green light motorways, deciding to get shovel-ready projects going, which is all very sensible. We, of course, lack enough motorways and railways and houses and pipes. And it's a good thing when the economy's in trouble to invest in your infrastructure. But what it meant was that it was effectively a structural bias in favour of male workers because, of course, those construction sectors are dominated by men. That being said, one of the most interesting responses to the COVID crisis was the government, seemingly out of the blue, coming up with this interesting idea of making apprenticeships free. Now, this really encouraged a lot of young people into the trades, where previously it had been quite expensive and a lot of people in small businesses were wary of taking on apprentices, the government actually paid people to take on apprentices and reduce the fees. And as it turns out, it's been the biggest policy success story of COVID. Now, one of the key drivers of this move to make apprenticeships free was to try and expand the proportion of women in construction. And it looks like it's worked. This week on When the Facts Change, I speak to Kiwi Bank economist Mary Jo Vergara, who spotted in this week's labour and wages figures a really interesting trend. Over the last two years, since the beginning of those apprenticeships, as the economy has started to hoover up any spare labour to the point now where we're at 3.3% unemployment, and where there aren't too many places to look for spare workers, one really interesting trend was a significant uptake of women into the construction sector. Mary Jo tells us in this week's episode about an increase from around 1 in 10 workers to more like 1 in 6 workers being women, and that the number of women in the construction sector has increased by almost 40% in the last two years. Now, it's partly because of this move towards free apprenticeships and subsidising apprentices into jobs, which, by the way, has only just been extended and you'd have to hope continues on, but also a real drive within the sector, which, in partnership with the government and the construction sector accords, has realised that they need to move more women and girls into the trades if we're going to solve our problem with not enough workers to build not enough houses and not to do it efficiently enough. Because and we don't know from the studies in New Zealand at least, but the studies in construction and mining and what you'd typically call the male-dominated sectors overseas, and I'm thinking here of Australia, is that, miraculously, it turns out when you increase the share of women in your workforce, productivity increases and the number of accidents decreases. They're still working out exactly why, it may be because the structure of the industry has changed, so that you have bigger workforces able to have more unstructured shifts, if you like, people working at different times of the day, people working in fixed locations, more convenient work, people coming with different skills, more diverse skills, has actually improved productivity in the workforce. Particularly now, when you can see so much of the work needs to be done digitally, it needs to be done with technology. It needs to be done in concert with a grand plan. And 
where you need a variety of skills, not just a bunch of dirt diggers and hammerers. And that's a really good news story out of this week's Labour Force figures on When the Facts Change. I'm Bernard Hickey. After the break, we hear from Mary Jo Vergara about the surprising rise of women in construction. Well, welcome to When the Facts Change to Mary Jo Vergara, who is an economist at Kiwi Bank and who's been busy this week looking at the jobs figures. Mary Jo, welcome in. Kia ora, Bernard. Thanks for having me. It's been a busy old day with both jobs and wages figures. These are really important for the economy, for our society, just to know how well we've done in the June quarter. And on the whole, it wasn't particularly flash for jobs in particular. Tell us what the headline numbers were. Yeah, it was a bit of an unusual labour market report and a little surprising. We saw that the headline unemployment rate rose to 3.3% up from 3.2%. And with the lack of employment growth in aggregate, um, we saw that the participation rate eased back a bit to 70.8% from 71%. But I would say that it's incorrect to say that the labour market is weakening from here. Um, if you look at the underutilisation rate, which is a broad measure of spare capacity in the economy, that has fallen to 9.2%. So it's indicative of an economy that's clearly capacity constrained right now. Yeah, so we're sort of straining at the leash. Um, people are struggling to find people to uh, uh, fill those jobs. But there is one area that you've spotted where there has been some good news and where employers have managed to find people maybe that they didn't look for before or train people that perhaps weren't previously involved in the sector. Tell us about what you've seen in the last couple of years in construction employment and particularly of women. Yeah, so we saw overall more Kiwis were put into were in paid employment since the lockdown and we saw that women made up majority of that gain and especially in the construction sector we've seen female employment really skyrocket over the past two years um, the number of women in construction has risen by a whopping 37.5 percent in just the past two years so it's a big increase um, they're still underrepresented in that sector but um, it's progress yeah so uh, before COVID about 13% of the workforce in construction were women, but we're now up to 16.5% or so, so that's one in six. And as you point out, you know, more than a third increase in two years. What do you think's going on here? Well, the construction sector has been one of the um, main drivers of economic activity, so naturally there's a lot of demand for labour there, um, so there's a lot more opportunities there. So, you know, you're kind of see a lot more job growth in that area. But I think... The government's free trades training program that they had initiated in 2020 might have been a helping hand in encouraging more women into the construction sector. And I'd put down that big increase in women's employment and construction to that government policy, at least partial to it. Yeah, that's been one of the success stories of COVID, that policy that effectively gave apprenticeships for free to people working in uh, many areas. And a lot of people went into construction because that's where a lot of the work was. And we've obviously still got big backlogs of uh, building consents that haven't turned into houses yet. And also the construction sector accord put together by the government and people in the sector have made a specific point of trying to encourage 
women into the workforce. And it was really needed, though, because um, tell us about what initially happened when the COVID lockdown started in 2020 in terms of how women fared in the labour market. Yeah, so that nationwide 2020 lockdown, it really rocked the female labour force. Um, And that's largely because of how women are positioned in the labour market. You know, um, over 60% of sales workers and over 70% of hospitality workers are female. And given the nature of the lockdown with the service sector, um, you know, bearing the brunt of it, it wasn't surprising to see that women had made up majority of the job losses during that lockdown period. Um, So we really saw um, how vulnerable uh, female employment was during the COVID pandemic. But we're starting to see that recover. Yeah, um, so that's that's really good news. Uh, and in particular, over the last three or four quarters, you put out a, a great chart, which I'll include in the show notes, which shows that um, of the last sort of seven or eight quarters, the majority of the jobs growth has come for women. Um, why do you think that is? Yeah, well, it's, I guess it's sort of natural to see that women have led the growth in employment given that they were hardest hit. Um, we saw that since the lockdown, there have been 85,000 Kiwi move into paid employment. Um, women make up 65% of, of that gain. So it's, you know, seeing more women into more paid employment is not surprising given that they bore the brunt um, initially. Yeah. And uh, interesting too that uh, as we, I suppose, get towards full employment or are at full employment, depending on who you are, that more of the jobs that are coming through are of the fuller term type, and you're also seeing people working extra hours. Uh, do you think that higher wages and extra you know, offers that are out there have encouraged women to move off part-time employment into full-time employment? Yeah, I think so. We have seen that composition of the female workforce um, change with more women moving into full-time employment. That's increased by around 8% since the lockdown, whilst part-time employment has fallen around 4%. So we are seeing sort of that compositional change. Um, I think it is because there's just so much demand for labour. We're not in the 1990s where the economic recovery was a bit more tentative and employers were looking for more flexible work. They're looking for longer-term staff. And I think um, that's the reason why we've seen um, such a large increase in full-time employment um, it could also be because we're in an, an environment where it's a lot more expensive and, you know, full-time employment pays relatively better than part-time employment. So there's another incentive to move into more uh, full-time employment there as well. Yeah. I mean, that's how the economy works, I suppose. It sends a signal to people in the market that this is something that's more valued and where the need is greatest. And the way we show that is by having a higher price for it. And often you'll see people move from one sector to the other or one type of job part-time to another type of job full-time. What are we seeing in terms of wages in construction versus, let's say, wages in hospitality, services, uh, those uh, industries which have a higher proportion of women versus those sectors that have a lower proportion of women? So have the higher wages we've seen in construction played a part in encouraging women out of um, some of the lower paid industries into these higher paid ones like construction? I think so. If we're talking about the past two years um, where inflation has really ramped up, 
trying to seek higher wages could have been a sort of catalyst for women moving into the construction sector, given that it is a sector that pays relatively better than, um, you know, your hospitality and your service sector roles. So um, a pay incentive um, could be one, you know, one reason why women have moved into the construction sector. Yeah, and there was a, obviously a definite um, decision, a strategic decision by people in the sector to try to, you know, look in other places for people to um, fill these uh, skill gaps. And obviously, if you've got a situation where at one point, just a few years ago, close to just one in 10 workers in the sector were women, and of course, more than 50% of the workforce and the population are, are women, there's a huge opportunity there. Can you see that there could be, uh, you know, an increased momentum that builds up as more and more women see other women in the sector, uh, that you get a, a flow-on effect, if, if you like, as there are more and more faces in the workforce that, you know, uh, people know and uh, practices change. Uh, do you think that could help um, push that trend along? I certainly hope so. Um, I think that's sort of the case that happened initially with, you know, the practice of law and medicine. Those are initially um, heavily male-dominated sectors, but now it's become far more equal. Um, I think it starts in the classroom. So seeing more women move into sort of the vocational trades and training should start sort of this momentum um, with encouraging other female students to enter that profession as well. So I think it is, it's a good sign that I hope continues. And it's interesting in studies done overseas, in particular in Australia, where they've had similar issues with very low uh, women participation in the workforce, increasing women's participation has actually helped improve productivity in areas, for example, in mining, where um, uh, less absenteeism, uh, fewer workplace accidents and um, less risk-taking around machinery has um, helped improve productivity in that sector. We haven't seen any research uh, yet in New Zealand, but uh, productivity is an area of concern in construction. It's been one of those weaker areas. Given we, we don't necessarily know yet or uh, if a higher participation of women could improve productivity, but could you tell us a bit more about how important productivity in that construction sector is uh, for the economy? Yeah, well, construction is one of our, uh, is the main driver of our economy. Um, so to have that, you know, improve its productivity would be a, you know, a big gain for our economic activity. I guess with more diversity, there is some gains to be had. So, so just improving the workforce in terms of diversity can actually have, I guess, from Research done overseas does show that um, there are some productivity benefits to be had when you have more diversity in the workforce. But um, things are changing. Obviously, the jobs figures today and the wages figures, which were slightly higher than expected, has people uh, expecting the Reserve Bank to continue hiking the official cash rate to try to get inflation under control. And those higher interest rates and... Uh, less demand for new builds in housing is seeing construction confidence drop to record lows. It'd be interesting to see uh, how extended this boom in employment in construction is 
and you know whether or not it can be sustained. What's your what's your feeling about how that collapse in construction sector confidence in the last six months or so, how that might translate into activity? Because the last time we saw such a big collapse after the 2008-2009 global financial crisis and the collapse of finance companies, we saw an exodus of uh, tradespeople out of the New Zealand sector, often across the Tasman into the mining and construction sectors in Australia. What's, what's the, what does it appear from the numbers at the moment that we might see in construction this time around? Yeah, it is a big worry to see confidence in the construction sector start to weaken. They are the main driver of our economic um, recovery since the lockdown. So you sort of worry about the sustainability of the momentum there. But like every other sector, I think it just shows that we're sort of bumping up against natural constraints here where they may have, you know, a strong demand for labour, but there's just no supply there to fill it. Um, and I think that'll be a, a, an issue that may worsen over the coming months, given that we're still expecting a net migration outflow um, by the end of the year of quite a large magnitude. So I think, you know, we'll have a tight labour market across the sectors for some time to come. When the Facts Change is brought to you in partnership with KiwiBank to help you understand the issues affecting the economy. And that's what their team of experts is here to do too. Here's KiwiBank's Chief Economist Jared Kerr with his prediction on what we can expect from the housing market and interest rates for 2024. We've seen quite a correction in housing across the country. So house prices fell from the lofty levels that we saw in 2021. The Reserve Bank has pushed house prices down by design and by lifting interest rates to very eye-watering levels. I think the housing market has found a bottom and I think we'll see house prices rising over 2024 and into 2526. The housing market will be better balanced. We have seen a, a surge in migrants, which is adding demand to the housing market. And I think we'll see house prices naturally lift on the back of that surge in migration and uh, hopefully an easing in interest rates later on. Visit kiwibank.co.nz to stay up to date with detailed economic analysis and forecasts from Jared and other KiwiBank experts. They take big issues from both here and overseas and make them relevant to Kiwi businesses. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and, of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. One of the interesting things about this idea of full employment, which is a crucial idea in monetary policy operation, this idea that there's only so low you can push unemployment before you start generating inflation, the so-called 
non-accelerating inflation rate of unemployment. And with unemployment at 3.2%, most people think that's actually below the the Nairu. But what I found interesting over the last um, seven or eight years or so is that every time we come down to what we think is the floor, we manage to eke out a whole bunch of new people who were either in the workforce to start with, but not necessarily working, not looking to work, or maybe only working part-time, but are now working longer hours, or maybe came out of retirement or uh, came out of uh, doing unpaid work. Um, do, do you really think that 3.2% is the sort of the, the floor, or could we could we actually uh, pull, pull a few people out from under the couch and behind the cushions <laughs> to, do, to do a bit more work? And I'm thinking in particular, the surprising factor over the last decade has been the number of people who are retired, in theory, or at retirement age, who've kept on working. But also, as we've seen with construction, uh, you know, you, there's, a, there's a, in theory, a, a pool of people who wouldn't normally be expected to go into construction, but um, uh, when wages rose to an extent and also some of the structural factors discouraging people, uh, women from from moving into construction, when those changed, you could actually, you know, expand the size of the workforce. And that's always been one of the strengths of the New Zealand economy is that as we've gotten to, you know, a full capacity, we've somehow managed to stretch just a little little bit more. Do you think there's any any way we could stretch that little bit more? I think with such an a lot low unemployment rate, I'm of the view that we may be bumping up against these natural constraints. We're still seeing those not in the labour force stabilise at these levels. So there's that workforce that's potential there, but it's not really moving in terms of you know, further declining. So I think we're kind of bumping up against um, these natural constraints and maybe 3.2 will be the uh, record low um, in the cycle. Yeah, and one way to test whether or not, you know, we really have hit rock bottom is just to see what's happening with wages. And what what did the June quarter numbers show us about, about wages and whether, you know, there's some heat being generated there? The recent tightness in the labour market, it's now translating to rapidly rising wage growth. Over the quarter, we saw the labour cost index rise 1.3%, which translates to an annual 3.4%, which is the highest since 2008. So we're really starting to see this tightness translate into higher wages. Yeah, and what sectors are are the wage increases happening the most? Yeah, it's been widespread. Large wage hikes have been across industries. Um, manufacturing and health have seen the largest in terms of its competition in the um, index, but it really has been across industries that have seen such large um, wage increases. Yeah, and it's interesting to see the numbers for the construction sector. Uh, for uh, New Zealand, um, I see up uh, 4.1% in the June quarter from a year ago. Um, that's the highest uh, it's been certainly in the last six years or so, and construction wage inflation across New Zealand, 1.5% for the quarter. So, uh, you know, that's headed towards a 6% annualised rate and um, and even stronger in Canterbury. So it's clear that these areas that are under most stress are generating that sort of inflation now. Do you think we're into a sort of a a wage price spiral, which is something the Reserve Bank and others are worried about? 
Yeah, I think it's sort of showing that there's this material risk that we're starting to see this wage price spiral really get underway, which is not the, the best news for the Reserve Bank. They want to stamp out this any possibility of a wage price spiral from forming. You know, we still think that wage inflation is further to rise from here. And so we it sort of risks this sort of feedback loop into general inflation, and you know, which means more sticky um, prices from here. And another measure of the heat that's being developed is the share of the workforce who are actually getting quite big pay increases and conversely, who are the, the relatively small share now who are getting no pay increases. So Mary Jo, tell us about how that measure of heat in the labour market has fared over the last two or three years, you know, pre-COVID to post-COVID. Yeah, so around 66% of all jobs had um, experienced an increase in wages, and that compares to you know around fifty seven percent of wages in you know twenty nineteen. So there's a lot more jobs and people getting an increase in their wages. Um, compare that to you know the proportion of jobs that have no increase in wages. That's dropped quite significantly from around forty four percent of the workforce to thirty four percent. So we're really seeing strong wage growth across the workforce. Yeah, and you have to think the remaining 34% who haven't had a wage increase in the last year must be starting to get a bit antsy or to start uh, licking their lips uh, about a, a wage increase. Um, how, how much of a lagging indicator is this in the economy? You know, as we get some heat and things start to get a roll on, you know, how long does it take to really, you know, get things to boiling point? Yeah, the wage growth figures are often a lag indicator. Firstly, you start to see the inflation expectations start to rise and first you have to see inflation come through before you start to see wage growth pick up. But now that we've seen inflation at the rate that it is, it's natural to see this wage growth start to really pick up and we think that it has further to run from here. Mary Jo Vergara, an economist at Kiwi Bank. Mary Jo, thank you very much for being on When the Facts Change. Thanks, Bernard. When the Facts Change was brought to you by the Spin-Off Podcast Network, together with KiwiBank. Visit kiwibank.co.nz to find out how KiwiBank are making Kiwi better off. Kia ora e te iwi, te Aihe Butler here, Podcast Manager at the Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spin-Off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.